Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for GWBC Radio's Open for Business. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of GWBC Open for Business, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Jen Grace with Publish Your Purpose Press. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, before we get too far into things, tell us about Publish Your Purpose Press. How are you serving folks? So we are a independent book publisher focusing on nonfiction books, and we work primarily with people from underrepresented communities who are thought leaders and speakers and, you know, just folks who are trying to amplify their messages that are often overlooked by just the larger publishing industry. So how did you get into this line of work? Back in 2012, I had a number of friends and colleagues who were asking me how I knew how to publish, you know, how did, how did I figure out all of the, the details or hiring an editor or a cover designer. And so I took all of those conversations that I was having and I kind of wrangled people together in a group format. And I, I started teaching people how to publish their books. And, you know, it was kind of like a, a side hobby. It was something I really loved doing, but it wasn't my primary focus as a consultant. And so in in 2015, after having done that for quite a while, I started doing it for people. And I, I switched my focus from consulting into just full-fledged publishing all the time. And that's a great lesson for entrepreneurs out there uh, that just because you start down one road doesn't mean that that's the road you have to continue down. You were able to pivot and still do similar work, but just serving people in a different way. Yeah, which I think is is really cool because I think if you look, you know, I think a lot of times people think that a path needs to be very linear and, you know, mine looks more like a, a squiggly line, but, you know, on the surface, you know, sometimes it doesn't make perfect sense to people how I got from one thing to another. But one of the pieces of that was this kind of aha moment that I had where, you know, I've been a public speaker for almost 15 years and I love getting on a stage. I love talking to people, but at the same time, I know that my skill set lends itself really well to being the person behind the scenes, helping other people get onto stages, which then just kind of creates more, more meaning and impact. So that was, you know, kind of another, another piece of it is just, you know, really kind of following intuition in my gut of just saying like, okay, you know, I, I, if you had asked me five years ago, if I was going to have a publishing company today, I would have told you you're probably crazy, but you know, I, I 100% know that this is where I was supposed to be. Now, when you're working with clients, are they typical first-time authors or are they more veteran authors? Uh, who is your ideal client? The majority, the vast majority are first-time authors because the publishing industry, broadly speaking, tends to be pretty predatory toward first-time authors just because first-time authors are, are coming from a place of really just not knowing how publishing works or what questions they should be asking or what, what things are fair or equitable to them. And so a lot of what I do is I spend a lot of time just educating people around the process, around the economics of things, around the options that they have, just because there are so many, so many options out there for, for a first-time author to not really know any better and get really taken advantage of. So now is the author coming to you having written something or they have an idea and they'd like to be an author? So the primary way that we serve folks is when they have their manuscript already written and they're in that phase now of doing research and trying to figure out how, how do I actually take this thing and turn it into a book? However, with that being said, we do have a number of 
free, free programs. Like we have a program called getting started for authors. That's completely free. And it's really just to help people who are still in that idea phase where they know they have an idea. They just don't really know how to organize and formulate it into something that works in a book. And so we have a completely free program that kind of helps people walk through that process. Now, historically, it, uh, to be an author, you had to be chosen by a publisher to, you know, and you were selected and they, they had an idea and maybe you had connections or maybe you're a celebrity and then that would get the book done. But in today's world where it seems like uh, anybody can do this now with all these um, kind of print on demand or publish your own work through Amazon or other places, how do you even know if the thing that you wrote is worthy of being written like is it's going to be is it going to work in any way or is it just kind of a vanity thing for you to just say okay I wrote a book or I want to check that box off it's a really good question that I could answer in a number of ways but I think the if someone has taken the time to really sit down and and write their thoughts, their business model, their practices, what they teach their clients, and they've really kind of put the work in, the chances of that being something that's publishable are going to be really high. What I find, because the, the authors that we work with are business owners, many of which are women, women business owners. And, you know, they're trying to just teach in a much bigger and broader in a bigger and broader way. And so in those regards, there's already been a lot of thought that's gone into it. There are folks occasionally, and they're not people that we work with. Like we really focus on the strategy side of things. It's not just, it's not just helping you publish the book, which is obviously the number one deliverable that we provide is that you have a finished book at the end of this. But we're thinking about kind of the strategy and how exactly are you, you know, where are you selling your book? How are you using it with your clients? How are you using it with speaking? And just really a lot of kind of strategic points to to take into consideration. But there are a lot of publishers out there that are known as vanity presses. And a vanity press basically is that you could take any Word document that has not been even, you know, proofread or even, you know, spell check or grammar check on your Word and they will publish it. So that's the type of publisher that someone listening to this would probably want to avoid because there's no quality control. It's just they'll kind of take it and run with it. Whereas, you know, if you're working with a, if you're working with a publisher, whether it's us or somebody else, we're going to be able to kind of give that guidance to say, yes, this is suitable for publishing. Or occasionally we do go back with feedback that says, you know, we had, we had our editors take a look at this and we really feel you need to do X, Y, and Z in order to kind of bring this to a better place for it to be ready to start being edited and eventually be published. So now how do you manage the expectations of the author? Because, you know, some people think, okay, I wrote a book and I'm going to, it's going to be at every airport and, uh, you know, I'm going to be interviewed by magazines. What is kind of a realistic um, result from publishing a book for a nonfiction author? That's a really, really good question. Managing expectations, I feel like, is what I what I am constantly doing. And you know, some days I'm putting authors on the ledge, and other days I'm pulling authors off of the ledge. And when it comes to expectations, I I flat out say to folks, if you think that, or if your intention with your book is to you know add a you know a hundred thousand dollar plus revenue line item 
to your business, that's probably not the best objective to have. It's not to say that a book cannot make good revenue, but ultimately it's what you do with the book that's going to be what creates the additional revenue in a business. So what we focus on is really strategically thinking through how does your book integrate within the fabric of every single thing that you do in your business? How are you leveraging it with clients? How are you using it to get, you know, get a, get a conference event organizer or planner to buy a thousand copies of your book to utilize as, you know, some kind of, um, you know, part of your speaking engagement, because in those situations, you can easily make, you know, $20,000 in profit from, you know, selling books in large quantities. But if you're, if you're thinking about just how can I make, you know, a lot of money based on that individual one-to-one sale, that's where it gets a little bit challenging. And so, you know, when I sit down with folks, I kind of just outline all of the things that they need to take into consideration. And then, you know, it, it kind of, it takes a little bit of time sometimes, but it kind of clicks as to how they can actually make a lot of money off of their book. So it's not necessarily selling it to the masses. It's being strategic in using it to maybe sell more consulting or sell more of what your service, your business provides. And that's a tool to do that rather than it being a revenue stream unto its own that's you know, catching on like wildfire. Absolutely. That's a a beautiful way of saying it because there is so much money to be made when you're using and leveraging your book in a really intentional way. And especially from a speaking standpoint, or even just using it as a business development tool to, you know, reach out to different, you know, different organizations where, you know, it might be you and your competition next to you and your competition doesn't have a book and you do. And sometimes that is the, that could be the key differentiator with who gets that business at the end of the day. Now, what do you tell the authors when they say, why does my friend is a best-selling author? How could all these people be best-selling authors? It seems like, you know, every person out there that has a book is also a best-selling author, and it can't be that easy to be a best-selling author unless maybe it is. Can you educate us about that process? Yeah, I'm going to give you the the inside scoop on that one. It is, so there's best-selling list like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or USA Today. Those are kind of the big three bestseller list. With those, it takes a lot of book sales in order to be at the top of those lists. And to be perfectly transparent, there are companies that are out there that you can pay that will help you get to the top of those lists. So it's very much a in, in many ways, a pay to play. It's not to discredit folks who've really worked hard and really sold the books that they needed to sell to make that list in an honorable way, because there's plenty of people there as well. But in a lot of scenarios with, with best-selling list, it really is kind of a pay to play model. Now, when most people are calling themselves a bestseller, it's typically an Amazon bestseller. And with Amazon, what the author knows and what the publishing industry knows that the average person doesn't necessarily know is that to claim your status as a best-selling author, you only have to hit a number one spot in one category for one hour on Amazon at any point in time. And once you hit that one, you know, that number one spot in that one category for that hour, you can claim bestseller status. So in that regard, it's not, it's not to say that it's not um, difficult because depending on what category you're trying to get number one in, it can be very, very complicated and not always feasible, but that's really where folks are being able to kind of hang their hat by saying they're a best-selling author. And uh, what I'm hearing you say is that even on these larger, uh, you know, maybe older types of lists, the New York Times and Wall Street Journal, if you have the money, you can strategically 
buy your way there by either having your team or your company or a company buy the number of books and the amount of time necessary in order to kind of rise to the top of those lists? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, it's an expensive process. It's anywhere between a hundred and 250,000 and it's a very elaborate and coordinated effort, which, you know, for me, I don't, I don't fully, I'm just, I don't subscribe to that kind of model of, of buying your way onto a list, but you know, there's a lot of people who do. And I know many companies that kind of support that effort. Right. So it, it's, again, it's one of those, um, this industry has some people that are kind of gaming it in order to benefit their clients uh, that maybe what the lay person isn't aware of that going on behind the scenes. Yeah, pretty much. So now when you're working with those first time authors and they have their manuscript, what are like, walk me through what that engagement looks like. They come to you and they go, here's my book. And then you kind of help them kind of polish it and get a cover and get it all ready to go. Or um, like, where does your service begin and end? Yeah, so it it begins right where you said, where you're handing us a manuscript. And at that point, we we are then sourcing editorial feedback because there are a lot of companies and publishers out there that don't necessarily care about the contents inside the book. It's more to them you know, they'll, they'll kind of take on any author. And with us, we're really, we're very particular with what types of book we publish, types of books we publish, but then also the editorial quality, because if you're using your book as a speaker or in your business, it is imperative to make sure that the writing quality and the editorial quality is top notch. Because if you try to go down a self-publishing path, which I fully endorse when done properly, but if you go down a self-publishing path and you're like, you know, you know, the editing part of this process is really expensive. I'm just going to bypass that. It ends up doing significantly more harm to your brand and your business than it does good. So that's kind of where we start because ultimately it has to be a really good, solid quality piece of work. That is not to say that the author has to be a good writer. And I think that that is a, a big difference that a lot of times folks think that, oh, if I'm, if I'm going to write a book, I have to be a really good writer. And the reality is that I would say the majority of our authors are not actually writers. They know their craft. They know, you know, they know their story. They know how to write. But the editorial process is really where it can bring everything together much more cohesively, much more strategically, and then ultimately become a much better a better product for a reader to to take in. So we really kind of focus and start there. So that part of the process takes a little bit of time. And then we move into, you know, how it looks on the inside, what the cover looks like, getting it into proper distribution systems. We help with the marketing strategy, really kind of understanding where their book in particular might make the most sense because some books are very consumer driven. Some So some are B2C, some are B2B. Some books are do really well in college in university and academic settings. And so every book, while on the surface, kind of looks like every book is equal, the marketing strategies behind every book are, are the farthest from. And so they have to be very intentionally kind of thought through of, you know, how do we make sure that this book ends up in the hands of the right people? So our kind of work begins once we have that manuscript and it 
it kind of ends, if you will, when we're handing you that physical book at the end of the process. But even after that, we have a speakers bureau that's exclusively for our authors. And so we continue to maintain those long-term relationships with our authors because, you know, if we're, if we're in the nuts and bolts of your book, we really have a good understanding of who you are, what you do, and how your company is serving people, which makes us natural advocates on a speaking side to help our authors also be able to get more speaking opportunities. Now, in today's world, is it necessary to have a physical book or can you get away with just having an ebook? You can get away with just having an ebook, but the reality is that the the biggest bulk of the expenses that go into a book are oftentimes the editing. So if you're already paying to have your book edited and it's not a huge additional cost to have it also in print, then you may as well have it in print too. But for folks who are speaking or they're consulting, having a print book is really going to be a big differentiator because it's an, it's something that you can bring into a physical meeting. It's something that you can sell from a stage or you can incorporate in a, you know, in a gift bag or, you know, as far as like an event goes and things like that. Whereas eBooks are a little bit more, um, a little bit more uh, difficult on that side. Now, what is the kind of the range of the investment someone has to have in mind if they're thinking about, okay, on the one hand, I'm going to just do this on my own. I'll figure it all out. You know, I have my own network of editors or cover artists or uh, versus coming uh, along with you and having your team kind of coordinate all these efforts. Is this a, you know, a zero to $10,000, $10,000 to $25,000? Like what's the kind of the range of of what an investment to have to be an author is? Yeah, I would say if, and we actually have, a, it's called a book cost blueprint that actually outlines all of this information because it's such a common question. And so if someone is self-publishing, just strictly self-publishing, usually I would say you want to be looking at at least 10000 probably closer to 12000 to be able to do it on your own. And, you know, if you do have an editor or someone who designs covers or, you know, people in your life, then obviously you might be able to negotiate something that makes it a little bit, a little bit uh, less expensive. But generally speaking, I tell people to kind of budget for somewhere between 10 and 12. Our price points are not that much higher, but we start at 15. And that's, that includes the editing, includes the design, the distribution and kind of, and the strategy, uh, both the business strategy and the marketing strategy. So, you know, that's kind of um, the, the, the way that I would, I would kind of phrase it of just really be looking between about 10 and 15, because, you know, if you go less than 10, what you're doing is shortcutting something. You're either shortcutting the design process or hiring someone without the right skill set, or you're shortcutting the, the editing process. And, you know, if you've put this much work into it, you may as well kind of take it to the finish line and be something that you can be really proud of, not something that, people are kind of cringing when you're handing them, which I have seen happen. And it's, it's heartbreaking when a book isn't as good as the person is. Now, is there anything uh, you can share regarding marketing strategies for that uh, first time author? Is there certain platforms that this works best with, or is it depend if it, like you said, B2C, B2B, maybe there's a different kind of a, a, a pathway you would go on onto kind of getting the most out of your book? Yeah, it's really, really dependent on a 
a lot of it depends on what the author is already doing from a marketing standpoint, because there's a lot of gurus out there that tout this be everywhere strategy. And the reality is that if you're, if someone's telling you to be everywhere, which includes being on every social media platform that exists, but your customer isn't on those social media platforms, then you're just wasting money by, you know, you know, so say all of your business, you know, you're, you're working with professionals. So LinkedIn might be a really good option to, to, to explore. But if someone's saying you have to be on Snapchat and your people are on LinkedIn, the odds of them being on LinkedIn and Snapchat are slim to none. So all of that money is just kind of being thrown out the door. So we kind of start, start there by saying, okay, what is it? What are, what's the marketing that you're doing now? How can the book be integrated into those existing channels? What are some other opportunities that we might want to explore that could kind of broaden those, those horizons a bit and really just kind of strategically kind of navigate through because I could, you know, for every author that we've worked with, all the strategies have a umbrella, if you will, of things that work, but then it's the nuance within that umbrella. That's really where authors kind of, you know, can really see some success. So for example, academic marketing can be a very, very, uh, very good sweet spot, but it's not applicable for all books. So if you think about books that, you know, if you've taken any college course recently, or you're an adjunct professor, you know, they have their standard curriculum, but they also have supplemental text where they have other books that they recommend as part of their curriculum. And we have a lot of books that are part of supplemental text and of curriculum within colleges and universities. And that can be a big profit center because at the end of the day, if you have a uh, a professor that has, let's see, 10, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're teaching 10 classes over the course of a year and there's a hundred students in those classes. That is, that is continuous revenue that is coming in the door because those students are going to keep every student, every new class that comes in is going to have to buy that book. So we tend to employ that strategy with a lot of our books because it works so well. Now, um, what made you choose to uh, go to your business as a woman owned business owner, like to get involved in WeBank and uh, being actually certified as a woman owned business? I love that question. So for me, there a big part of it is just visibility. So going back to 2006, I started my company in 2008. Uh, my publishing company much later, but my first consulting business was 2008. And at the time I got my business certified as an LGBTQ owned business. And when I was going through that process, I had a number of folks from that organization say, well, do you know about WeBank? Do you know about, you know, the importance of women owned certification? And so once I learned about that, I just became kind of a natural advocate for just the visibility. And, you know, there's so much, there's so much power in being counted that I don't think enough people really kind of recognize that we as a collective unit of women owned businesses, we carry a lot of weight and we have a lot of decision-making power. And to me, that's kind of my primary reason for continuing to stay as a certified woman-owned business. But on top of that, there's just really amazing networking opportunities too. And there's just awesome RPOs across the country that have really passionate people who, you know, when their job is to help you succeed, it's, you know, how could you not want to be part of an organization that stands for that? And have you seen actual business uh, kind of business benefit from being a member or has it been more of the support and the, and the networking? Um, it's definitely a business benefit because 
about 70, I think it's 71% of our authors right now are woman-owned businesses. And I don't know the exact number of those who are certified, but a large majority of them are certified woman-owned businesses too. And I know for me that when I'm looking to do business with other businesses, I'm looking for those that are carrying some kind of certification, whether it's from WeBank or NGLCC, which is the LGBT organization, or even if they're a B Corp certified business, which we are as well, you know, those to me are kind of that, um, it's like a, a marker for values. Like, you know, like when someone's a, a certified woman-owned business, I know that we have some commonality and that we're going to align on a really, a really good level. And it makes that biz, the potential business transaction much smoother. So now if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Do you have a website? We do. So you can go to publishyourpurposepress.com and there there's links to all of the other places um, that uh, that we're available. And then I personally am on all of the different social media platforms at Jen T. Grace. Even Snapchat? You know, sadly, I use it with my son. So technically I am there. <laughs> so you're covering all the bases. I am not professionally, but I am on it. <laughs> Good stuff, Jen. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on GWBC Open for Business.